Welcome to A Crash Investigation, the podcast, the show where we dissect some of the most memorable and forgotten air crashes in aviation history. In this episode, we'll be going over British Airways Flight 9. I hope you're excited because I am, and without wasting any more time, let us get into it. British Airways Flight 9 was a scheduled flight for the 24th of June 1982 and it was coming from London Heathrow International Airport, London, UK to Perth Airport, Perth, Western Australia. This flight had two stops, one in Sahar Airport, Bombay, India and the other in Sultan Abdul Aziz Shah Airport, Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia. The call sign of this aeroplane was Speedbird 9 but in some sources, they refer to this flight as City of Edinburgh. The aircraft in question was a Boeing 747-200. The crew. There were 260 passengers on board Flight 9, and the crew consisted of 41-year-old Captain Eric Henry Moody. And overall, he had more than 17,000 total flight hours and he was actually one of the first people to be trained on the 747. The senior first officer was 32-year-old Roger Greaves and the senior engineering officer was 40-year-old Barry Townley Freeman. I could not find the total flight hours of the first officer and the engineering officer. This crew boarded at Sultan Abdul Aziz Shah Airport. The events that occurred on the plane. At 20 minutes to 2 Universal Time Coordinated or 20 minutes to 9 p.m. Jakarta time, they were above the Indian Ocean, south of Java. Then the flight crew noticed a weird effect on the windshield and the weather radar did not show this unusual weather but instead showed clear skies. As a result, the crew switched the anti-ice on and the passenger seatbelt signs on as a precaution. Then, throughout the flight, smoke started to accumulate in the passenger cabin. At first, the passengers and the crew thought that it was cigarette smoke because in 1982, smoking whilst in a plane in the air was still allowed. But then, they could not find the smoke on the plane and the smoke was getting thicker and it started to smell like sulfur. Many passengers recalled that when they looked out of the window, the aeroplane was bright blue with light shining forward through the fan blades, which produced a stroboscopic effect and I quote, clinging to wing of the airplane. Then approximately at 18 minutes to 2 universal time coordinated, or 18 minutes to 9 p.m. Jakarta time, the number 4 Rolls-Royce RB211 engine surged loudly and flamed out. Because of this, the flight crew performed the engine shutdown drill and this consists of quickly cutting off fuel supply to the engine and then turning on the fire extinguishers because the engine had flamed out. Less than a minute after number 4 engine flamed out, engine 2 surged and flamed out. Seconds later, engine 1 and 3 simultaneously flamed out and the flight engineer Townley Freeman said, and I quote, I don't believe it. All four engines have failed, end quote. When there is no engine thrust, a 747-200 jet has a glide ratio of 15 to 1. And this means that a plane can glide forward 15 kilometers for every 1 kilometers it drops. So when you do the maths, 
the aircraft was capable of gliding for 23 minutes and covering 91 nautical miles or 169 kilometers from their flight level of 37,000 feet or 10,000 meters. Then, two minutes later, First Officer Greaves declared an emergency to the local air traffic control saying that all four of their engines had failed. However, the Jakarta Area Control misunderstood the message as they only heard that Engine 4 was the only engine that had failed. However, a nearby Garuda Indonesia flight relayed the message to the air traffic control. So the air traffic control asked the crew of Flight 9 to relay their emergency transponder signal. However, the air traffic control could not locate the plane on their radar. Now the situation was getting dire as they were approaching the high Indonesian mountains of the south of the island of Java, whereby the average altitude of the mountains was at least 11,500 feet or 3,500 meters. So the crew decided that if the aircraft was unable to maintain their current altitude or climb higher, they'd turn back to the sea and attempt to ditch in the Indian Ocean. So as a result, the crew began the engine restart drills despite being outside of the recommended engine in-flight start airspace of 2,800 feet or 8,500 meters. The engine restart attempt failed. Then, Captain Moody relayed a message to the cabin which was described as, and I quote, a masterpiece of understatement. The message says, Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. We have a small problem. All four engines have stopped. We are doing our damnness to get them going again. I trust you are not in too much distress. As soon as he relayed that message, the pressure warning sounded as the pressure within the cabin fell and therefore the oxygen masks dropped. This is an automatic measure to try and make up for the lack of air in the cabin. In the cockpit, First Officer Greaves' mask broke and majority of the passengers' masks did not work. So as a result, Captain Moody decided to change the speed, turn the autopilot off and push the nose of the plane up and down. So the plane descended at almost 1,800 meters or 6,000 feet per minute to the point where they could almost breathe normally. At 13,500 feet or 41,000 meters, the crew was approaching the altitude where they would have to turn over to the Indian Ocean and attempt a ditching. There are guidelines for water landings, but no one had ever tried it with a Boeing 747 at that time. They then performed the engine restart procedure one more time and finally engine 4 restarted. Then four, at 4 minutes to 2 universal time coordinated or 4 minutes to 9 pm Jakarta time, Captain Moody used the power from engine 4 to reduce their rate of descent. Shortly after that, engine 3 restarted and then engine 1 and engine 2. So due to the restart of the engines, the crew requested an increase in altitude to clear the high mountains of Indonesia. Captain Moody then said, Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. We have seemed to overcome that problem and have managed to start all engines. As soon as he said that, the aircraft then approached the target altitude and then the St. Elmo's fire effect on the windscreen returned. St. Elmo's fire 
according to Britannica.com, is a phenomenon whereby luminosity accompanying brush-like discharges of atmospheric electricity, which can appear as a faint light on the faint light rather on the extremities of pointed objects, and in this case, it would be an aeroplane. So to try and avoid another surge, Moody throttled back the engines, but engine two still surged and was shut down. The crew then descended and held 12,000 feet or 3,700 meters, as when they are at 15,000 feet, the engines surge again. So Flight 9 was reaching Jakarta's Halim Petana Kusama International Airport and that was when the crew realized that they could not see through the windscreen as it had an almost opaque view. Because they could not see, they had to make an approach or landing almost entirely on their instruments. This was made even worse because they wanted to land using the instrument landing system or ILS but the vertical guidance system was not working at the airport, so they had to use the lateral guidance system. First Officer Greaves was monitoring the airport's distance measuring equipment, or DME. He called out how high they should be at each DME step along their final approach to the runway, which created a virtual glide slope for them to follow in order for them to land their plane. The runway lights could be seen through a small piece of the windscreen, however the landing lights on the plane apparently did not work. Eventually, the crew of British Airways Flight 9 managed to land their plane, but they could not taxi due to their glare from their, from their apron front gates. Luckily, there were no fatalities. The Investigation The Transportation Safety Board or TSB of the UK was in charge of the investigation as British Airways is a UK-based airline. They realized that Mount Galungung erupted and this volcano is 160 meters east of Jakarta. Code7700.com explained this perfectly and they said, and I quote, Volcanic ash is very dry, abrasive and fine. When the aeroplane entered the dust cloud, the fine dry da dust electrified with static electricity and appeared to be St. Elmo's fire, which I explained briefly. This phenomenon makes static, which makes radio communication difficult. Now the ash enters the hot engines and this sticks to the turbine's blades, which restricts the airflow to the engine and creates a backfire whereby there is an increase in fuel but a decrease in the amount of oxygen which is entering the engine and thus resulting in a compressor store or total shutdown." End quote. So when the crew descended, this cooled the engine and the ash down and thus the ash was solidifying and breaking off the flying blades and as a result allowing air to flow smoothly and allowing for a successful restart of the engines the quote-unquote aftermath. Engines 1, 2, and 3 and the windscreen were replaced at Jakarta. The fuel tanks were also cleared of ash that entered them as this fuel became contaminated. The aircraft was then sent to London and there, engine 4, amongst other things, were replaced. The airspace amount around Mount Kalangkang was closed temporarily. This that was until a Singapore's 
That was until a Singapore Airlines 747 experienced the same thing 19 days later and as a result the Indonesian authorities decided to close the airspace permanently and rerouted the planes to other routes. Recommendations Pilot training was made a priority and now there are signs to look out for when an aeroplane flies through a volcanic cloud such as the smell of sulfur, unusual dust in the cabin, and of course, St. Elmo's fire. Also, there was an improvement of the radar systems, and now they can detect smoke from volcanoes, other aeroplanes, so on and so forth. The final aftermath. Captain Moody received the Queen's commendation for valuable service in the air, and overall everyone received medals from the British Airline Pilots Association and this flight was inducted into the Guinness Book of World Records for the longest glide in a non-purpose built aircraft but they were replaced by Air Canada Flight 143 in 1983 and finally by Air Transact Flight 236 in 2001. I apologize for the many, many, many mistakes. This was just really hard to do. But thank you so much for listening. I hope to see you in my next episode. I can't believe you've made it to seven already. It is really incredible. Thank you so much for listening once again. And I will see you in my next one. Cheers.